Hello again, everyone. I'm Matt Lachlan. Welcome to Pirates Talk, presented by Jag One Physical Therapy. Thanks for your company. This podcast is dedicated to the men's and women's basketball programs at Seton Hall University. Last week's pod received a lot of good feedback as I spent time with Mike McBride, who oversees Seton Hall's NIL initiatives. I hope it provided some insight into what NIL is all about and what Seton Hall is doing to compete in this arena. On this show, however, we return the focus to on the court. The men's team has gotten off to a 4-0 start, winning as expected against St. Peter's, FDU, Albany, and Wagner. Now the Pirates go on the road for the Rady Holiday Tournament in San Diego, opening with USC, then facing the winner of Oklahoma versus Iowa. Though early, and though the schedule has been kind, Seton Hall looks, to me at least, like it might be better than the team that was picked to finish ninth in the Big East preseason coaches poll. But it is early, so we shall see, but there appears to be room for optimism. My guest today is my good friend Jerry Carino, who covers college hoops for the Asbury Park Press. He has a vote for the Associated Press Top 25 poll and is the Dean of College Basketball Writers in New Jersey. He generously shares some of his precious time at this point of the year, right after this message from Jag One Physical Therapy. A proud sponsor of Seton Hall Athletics, Jag One Physical Therapy gets you back to the life you love. Voted the number one physical therapy company based on first-class patient care and outcomes, Jag One Physical Therapy is invested in your full recovery. Your preferred in-network rehabilitation provider, Jag One Physical Therapy, has convenient locations throughout New York, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania. For more information and to find a location near you, visit www.jagone.com. Jag1PT.com. Jerry Carino, once again, thank you so very, very much for joining me on the show. You've been a good friend of the pod, a good friend overall, and I do appreciate your time at what is an incredibly busy portion of your life. <laughs> well, this is what it's all about, right, Matt? I mean, you you get this, you know, with the devils, like you're once you get into elbow deep into that season, this is what you live for. And Thanksgiving week is associated across America with football understandably so but for me and for you there's basketball and feast week brings a tremendous buffet of games including seat all going to san diego so there's a lot to munch on here so to speak exactly i was happy to get a text from my sister who was hosting the family get together on thanksgiving and by the way it's the first one i can make in some five or six years i know covid was in there but the Devils have been on the road the last handful of them. But at any rate, uh, I, I'm looking forward to going to her house and seeing all the family. My point is I'm I'm glad to have gotten the text where she said, uh, show up at 2, dinner around 3, which means I can excuse myself at 5.30 and check out that Seton Hall game against USC uh, when they play out exactly. in San Diego. That's so, like so true. And I have to say, like, me too, because I have a, you know, we have a Seton Hall family. My brother went there. Uh, my wife went there and, and, uh, my dad is, you know, a big fan of the pirates. So yeah, there'll be, dinner will be done. We'll see where we're at with the wine, but dinner will be done <laughs> by the time the ball is tipped. So yes, yeah, so I'll be, I'll be tuned to the TV as, as will you. Uh, indeed. And, and I would be remiss if I, I did not mention that my sister too is a Seton Hall grad. So before we get there to talk about what lies ahead for Seton Hall during feast week, just a quick review of what you've seen through the first four games, a perfect start, their best start, the first time they've done that since the 2016-2017 season. What are your observations, Jerry? 
So it's a fascinating question, Matt, because they're four and zero. They've won the last three games without really much of a sweat. Uh, they haven't really played, you know, that competition Big East. That's a Big East level or close to it. It's been mid majors, low majors, and for this team, maybe that's good because you have a lot of new pieces, new parts uh, to weave in a very young bench, and that bench got a chance to play. So my two, my takeaways on the early going through four games. And a lot of this stuff is going to be put to the test now in San Diego this week. But my takeaways are, number one, I do think Seton Hall has a center who can hold his own in Jaden Bediaco. I had no idea how he would transition from Santa Clara. Not saying he's going to be an all-Big East postman, but it feels like, it seems like he, he, he looks the part of someone who can hold the fort on both ends inside and that's really the most you could ask in this post-grad transfer type of situation. So that's one. Two is, can Seton Hall's bench contribute, make an impact, relieve the starters without a ton of drop-off? I don't know the answer to that. We do know that Seton Hall winning these last few games handily has given Shaheen Holloway a chance to give those guys some run. And I like what I've seen out of Isaiah Coleman a freshman wing who, by the way, was just named Big East Freshman of the Week, the first Pirate to earn that distinction since Miles Powell in 2016. So when you're in the same sentence as Miles Powell, that's a good thing. Now, how will that bench led by Isaiah Coleman, how will they step up in class You know, over this week? A lot different playing USC, Iowa, Oklahoma than, say, like Albany. Uh, and so... That's a question I have. I think that's still open-ended and looming. And the third thing is, I like the way Seton Hall moves the ball. You know, we've seen Kadori Richmond, I think, take the next step to being a true facilitating point guard who sees the floor, who directs traffic. Uh, they seem to share the ball well. They've gotten a ton of good looks. They haven't made a lot of good outside shots. Now, they've made, they've converted a lot of their two-pointers. They're shooting 77% from three, well over 50% from two. That's all good. I'm sorry, 77% from the foul line, well over 50% from two, but only 31% from deep with a lot of open looks. That's a low number against low to mid-major competition. They've been very reliant on Al Dawes to make those long-range shots. Tough to do that with one guy against good teams who can really blanket the perimeter. So I have a lot of questions still. I don't know how good this team is, but 4-0 and winning pretty handily. Got to mostly like what you've seen so far. Tell me about Isaiah Coleman, as you mentioned, the uh, Big East freshman of the week, first time since Miles Powell, back in the time when Seton Hall started out 4-0, as they as they have done thus far. A, a highly regarded recruit, and yet he seems to have taken some people, myself included, quite frankly, by storm. His athleticism is terrific. He's got hops. What do you see? Well, they got him in the spring. So it was kind of in that, they got him in, that tr- in the middle of that transfer portal craze. Maybe it flew under the radar a little bit. Uh, he's a four-star guy for the recruiting rankings. If that's People are into that sort of thing. that doesn't always tell the whole story. You kind of don't know until the lights are on, you know, what those stars mean if they're accurate. But he seems to fit. You know, he he plays hard. There's a phrase that, that coaches like to use, and I, this, I'm sure this is, applies to hockey too. He sticks his nose in there, <laughs> right? And so, like, he... He's not afraid to get floor burns. He's not afraid to to throw an elbow. 
He's not afraid to do the dirty work. And you don't always see that with freshmen. Sometimes it's like a shock. Like they've been coasting on their athleticism in high school and they don't have to sharpen their elbows or set a screen or get on the floor to get a loose ball. He does those things, which you got to like. He seems like a good rebounder. Uh, he, he is a slasher who attacks the rim and can finish in the open court and in traffic. Really the only thing about his game that seems like it needs some work at a glance is the jump shooting, which, you know, maybe that'll come, but but he fits the Seton Hall gritty style, like aggressive, gritty, tough, and he looks like he's ready to really help them. So I like what I've seen. He's gotten a lot better since I first saw him in practice in September. So it seems like a sky's the limit type of guy, and I know Shaheen Holloway is really high on him, and as you know, Shaheen does not blow smoke or BS. So if he likes him, that's a good sign. But what I've seen looks like he can really help them and probably is going to be their sixth man this season, Matt. So they're going to need him. Well, what you said about Shaheen actually is, well, first off, it's absolutely true. He is honest as the day is long. He'll tell you exactly what he thinks. But most coaches will downplay some freshmen unless they're, you know, one and done type guys. Well, he's got a lot to learn. He's still doing this. He's still doing that. Holloway's been effusive in his praise right from the get-go. I mean, he said right from the beginning, this kid is something special, and he really hasn't backed off at all from, from those comments. So part of that is he means it, right? And you would not say it if he didn't mean it, but I think part of the place where that's coming from, Matt, is that you you got to do that now with these guys. Otherwise, you know, come, come spring, people are going to be whispered in their ear, the coach doesn't really like you, you're not in his plans. You know, you're you're not going to develop there. You're not going to become all you can there if the coach is in your corner. So I do think, you know, Shaheen is a tough love, old school guy, but he he's smart too. I mean, he understands that you have to show some love and give these guys a little bit of a pat on the back and an arm around the shoulder. Otherwise, they the days of them having to just grit and bear it are over. And so you do kind of have to get them, I think relationship build or get that, get that, uh, develop that like two way bond, uh, quicker than, you know, you might've in the old days, someone might have like a, like an old school coach or even shot earlier years. So, so yeah, part of this is he's, he's signaling to Isaiah, like you're, you're a big part of our plans. And I think that's part of what's motivating him to say out loud what he he obviously thinks inside. So, and that's a good strategy if you're Seton Hall because like you got to be able to retain these guys. It's hard enough to get good players to Seton Hall when you know you have other schools and their peers have collectives, uh, NIL collectives, two, three, four million dollar range. You get a guy like this, you got to keep him. So, to me, that's part of the master plan. You know, that's not uh, something that I gave much consideration to given the current atmosphere around college athletics but you're right you, you're, you're already worried about players being poached if you don't handle them quote unquote the right way and uh, well that's why we have you on the show jerry because you've got that kind of insight so i know from last year for example i don't want to say it's apples and oranges okay but it's it's not the reason tay davis left you know he, him and shaw did they had a good relationship but i know i think shaheen sort of re-examined the way he handles promising freshmen in the transfer portal age based on Tay da- the fact that Tay Davis left when he had a lot of potential to help them. So I'm not saying that that 
that's not the reason. That's the reason he left is because he didn't feel loved by Shaw. Like Shaw was pretty effusive about him and did play him. But I do know that was on Shaw's mind as he, you know, how do, what do I got to do to, to keep my promising freshmen here so I can continue to develop them. And so it seems like that, that bridge, that bond is being built already in November with Isaiah Coleman, which is a very important thing for the program. I don't want to spend a lot of time on every podcast about NIL. Last week, Mike right. McBride was my guest, and he was terrific and uh, you know gave a lot of insight as to what's going on. We know it's here to stay. It's part of the landscape. It is what it is. But when you consider that, as you said, Seton Hall's war chest might not have as much in it as some other schools, and you know Mike is working hard to get that money up, then how do you explain the ability of Seton Hall to be able to get a four-star guy like Isaiah Coleman and then to go out and get the two guys they just signed, Jasim Felton and God's will, Eric, I, I don't know how, to, I'm sorry, I do not know how to pronounce that young uh -huh. man's last name. Yeah, we kid, haven't gone to that bridge yet. <laughs> <laughs> the kid from uh, Lutheran uh, yeah. via, uh, via Ni from Nigeria. But at any rate, uh, both of those guys highly regarded. So yeah. so what's happening? Is it Sheen's personality? Is it some NIL money? Is it the Big East? Is it all of the above? What do you think? So it's it's a hard question to answer because there's not a lot of transparency, right? No, nobody's NIL. telling anybody anything. Well, that's but even the things that people are saying, a lot of it's not true. Like there's Correct. a lot of spin. There's no documentation to follow up on. There's no this stuff's not written down. So so it's very difficult to, for me to say with certainty, like, this is why and this is why. You know, I'm, I'm confident in saying that Seton Hall's NIL war chest has been a fraction of their, some of their peers in the Big East, the Villanova, St. John's, Creighton, uh, Marquette. Um, how have they turned the corner here? I don't know exactly. Uh, I, do, I do think that they have done better. It has, they have gotten better recently. Like, they're in a better place now. NIL wise than they were, you know, last year at this time and even even last March, uh, that has changed and improved. So that is certainly part of it. Mike McBride is an important hire for them, who I've had extensive conversation with him. Yet your podcast with him was terrific. Uh, he does, you know, you talk, you come away feeling that he really gets it. But you just don't know. It's like the recruiting is just a, such a great mystery to someone who's not totally two feet on the inside. But what I'll say is like Holloway is going to be, he's going to be very choosy in terms of look in the general manager sense, like here are my resources and here's what I want in a player. And I'm not just going to take a guy to take a guy because someone else rates him highly or whatever. He's going to, he's going to take a particular type of guy like Coleman seems to fit. So there is a certain player you got type of player you got to be, I think, to play for Shad. You know, it's not for everybody. You got to be tough. You got to be a workaholic. Um, you got to be willing to, to pay dues and and get your you know get those floor burns. And he seems to have identified like minded guys and and the people I guess who influenced them probably trust Shaw too. So that would be my guess. But there does seem to be. Some I know I'm not fully answering your question because I don't fully know the answer, but there does seem to be some momentum, and I do think they're in a better place with player acquisition in this new age than they were last year for sure, and that's you're seeing some results of that now. God's will, Harry N, I believe is how it is pronounced, and I apologize. I will get that 
uh, when he certainly by time he he suits up for seat. Yeah, you don't have to worry about it until next October, Matt. <laughs> so back to uh, this November and and this Seton Hall team. Uh, Kadari Richmond seems like a different player, more mature. He uh, he's more open. He'll give you answers. Sometimes they're not the longest, but when when he does want to expound, they're very thoughtful responses to questions. He's got good insight. What's the change in him, and how critical? You know, what role is he going to play in any success that Seton Hall has? So it has been a fascinating, I think, uh, sort of subplot to, to Seton Hall basketball and Shaheen Holloway's regime, the relationship between him and Kadari Richmond, right? And I, I really think there are probably some similarities between the two. Uh, really talented point guard guys, playmakers, you know, New York City, bred, um, you know, stayed local for college. And, you know, we go back to Shaheen Holloway, his career. I know he's a legend, of course. Everybody remembers what he did as a senior at Seton Hall that season and in particular in the NCAA tournament. But, like, it took Shaheen a while to really realize his full potential on the collegiate level. He took that big final leap as a senior. And I feel like you're seeing Kadari Richmond do that now. And Shaheen has got through to him. It has not been easy, okay, because I think they do, you know, as similar guys do, they might not always see eye to eye, uh, but they've seen more eye to eye now than they have at any point than when he got, from when he got the job, Shaheen. And Kadari has just, he's, He's picked up that leadership mantle, you know. It's you see it a lot in college sports. There's no, I don't think there's a real analogy to to pro sports. There's something about senior year, Matt, where like there's a finality to it. And I know, I know he does have another year of eligibility, Kadari. I don't, I don't know if he'll take it. I'm sure he has his eye on, you know, pro ranks and making pro money. But uh, there is a sort of a finality about senior year where you see guys who have talent find that extra gear. And that's kind of what you're seeing now at Richmond, the extra gear on the court as a complete player, the extra gear off the court as a leader. Part of it is this is maybe his last chance. Part of it is, look, this is an audition for him for the next level. And I think part of it is, you know, this is a world now that we're going back to NIL, that it rewards personality. It rewards presence. Mm -hmm. It rewards embracing being on the marquee. Richmond is a smart guy. Like, he knows that that's going to get him somewhere. So, all that combined, guy coming of age, Shaheen pulling the best out of him, Richmond knowing, like, this is my chance, has led to, so far, it's early, so far has led to a guy who appears to be tapping his enormous potential as a basketball player and as a leader. And it has been fun to watch, and I'm really interested to see as the competition ratchets up just where it goes he uh dre davis alamir dawes giving seton hall that senior leadership you, you mentioned Badiaco, also a, a transfer so he's got the experience too the player that i am developing more respect for or i'm seeing more ability there than i saw previously is the, the guy who came over from st john's dylan adewusu uh 
you know, I saw him play at St. John's. They didn't have the best of years. Maybe I didn't see him on the best of nights. It's not like I watched St. John's every night, every game. But he brings a certain element of toughness, uh, presence. I'm, I'm saying I'm not saying he's under the radar because he's a Big East player and, and we've known him for a few years. Obviously, he's a he's a glue guy. He, he's a glue he guy. He is. He he strikes me as being awfully important uh, to what Seton Hall's hoping right. to accomplish this year. So the most enlightening conversation I had in the preseason was out of all the interviews I did in this year was with a guy by the name of Greg Shoes Vitrone. I know you know the name. Uh, he's the former Rutgers assistant. Uh, FDU head coach, and then most recently had been a St. John's assistant under uh, Mike Anderson. And I called Shoes and I said, Shoes, what's the deal with Dylan? What do you think of the fit at Seton Hall? And Shoes is a lot like Shaw, and they get along very well. Very, like, pull no punches. I'm going to tell you like it is, even if it hurts. <laughs> and he couldn't say enough good things about Dylan. And not critical of Mike Anderson, okay, who's, a, who's been a very accomplished head coach across many different programs through a long, a long and successful career. But like Dylan needed a structure that maybe wasn't there at St. John's and he's got structure now. I mean, see, you know, Shaheen Holloway is, is structure on steroids, you know? <laughs> so he's got that now and he kind of is, is really thriving in that role. So it, shoes told me in October, wait till you see what this guy adds, the toughness, the versatility, uh, the the sort of court presence, and like I'll just do whatever it takes. Don't care what my what my box score looks like, which every team needs a guy like that, and that's the essence of being a glue guy, right? So he's a senior again. He has another year left, but he's a senior. Sure, I'm sure he has pro aspirations, but Dylan Adaiwusu is not. He is not trying to fill a box score. He is not trying to audition for the NBA. He's trying to win basketball games. And like a guy who will embrace that, okay, like, you know, Kadari can have the ball in his hands and Al can get his shots. Uh, I'm just going to do whatever to fill in the gaps. Like that's a winning, what winning teams need. Seton Hall got a little bit of that. They got a, a lot of that from Casey and Defo last year, but mm-hmm. it's different when there's a guard doing it. Like a guard just can do more than a forward can in that sense, I believe. So, so yes, he shoes told me in the preseason you're gonna love this guy. Shaheen's gonna gonna love him like a son, and sure enough, he does seem to be an extension of what Holloway envisions for this program. It's a really good fit. I agree. Uh, and if if it means Seton Hall has to go small because they're basically playing four guards or three guards in the wing, it seems to be worth it because the guy's bringing a lot. And if you just look at the box score. You're missing it with Dylan, like you said. So, yes, key addition, knows how to survive in the Big East and certainly will be a plus player for them as we go on this season. When you look at the box score, what you see is his fingerprints all over the place. Fifth on the team as we record this after the 4-0 start. Fifth in scoring, second in assists, second in steals, uh, averages almost five rebounds per game. So, yeah, he may not have the triple-double, right? Or a ton of double-doubles, but he's going to impact everywhere. At least that's what I've seen so far. And well, it's you look at the thing, the, the plus-minus, so it's an interesting thing, and not everyone lives by it, but the plus-minus, which tells you sort of how well or badly the team fared when that player was one of the players on the floor. His plus-minus is 
And some of it is circumstantial, like depends on the game and the, the rotations and the coaches' substitutions. But his plus minuses have been very high. So sometimes that really can tell you more than a box score because it also encompasses defensive performance. Uh, and so his plus minuses have been really high, really high. And so, yeah, yeah, he's been definitely an added element for them, no question. Last few, and we'll let you go, Jerry. What what do you see happening? Uh, what what does uh, the San Diego trip encompass for Seton Hall? So I looked very closely at the teams and what they've done. You know, I've seen them play, and we know the coaches and everything. But so if you look at Ken Pop, which I'm not a huge believer in analytics in November, like there's not a lot of data yet into the fed into the into the algorithm. Uh, if you look at Ken Pop, Seton Hall is the fourth best team out of the four. They're 52nd in their Ken Palm rank. Oklahoma is the, the first team, then USC, then Iowa, then Seton Hall. I don't think that's – I feel like that's not totally accurate. Uh, I think Oklahoma has the most to prove. They, their, their analytics are high because they've, they've walloped four low majors, okay? But I feel like Seton Hall is, is better than Oklahoma. Again, we're just going on instinct here because it's very early. USC, to me, is the favorite to win the tournament. They're local. They have some big-time players. They've been a little beat up, okay, so we'll see what their health situation is like. Um, Iowa, we're familiar with. They beat Seton Hall pretty soundly last year. They beat Rutgers pretty soundly last year. They did lose a pro uh, in Jenkins, but they do they do have um, some very good players coming back. Uh, uh, the, uh, there's a big guy who is averaging 20 and 6. He's a forward. Uh, they have a, the coach's son, McCaffrey. One of his sons, who's like a glue guy type player, they score 95 points a game. So I would say that a one-in-one trip would be a success. It would be moving the chains for Seton Hall. One-in-one moves the chains. 0-2 is a setback and a missed opportunity. 2-0, which I don't foresee. It's a lot to ask. 2-0, though, would be off to the races start dreaming. So to me, they're, they're a pretty clear underdog against USC on Thursday. And then I would say if they get Oklahoma, it's a game they could well win. Iowa would be a little harder if that's the draw, but either one, you pick up a high major win against a decent team and a team that's ranked pretty highly in Ken Palm. It's going to be a resume builder. So one-on-one, no, no one at Seton Hall is going to say our goal is to go one-on-one, right? But to me, to me, one and one should be the goal. Like that's a good tournament. That would move the chains, and you come back and you brush up a little bit, and then the schedule gets really interesting after that. So, doable one and one. I think it's doable. I think they probably will do it, but you got to go do it. And so, that's kind of look. It's November. It doesn't make or break anybody's season, but it can give you a leg up or put you behind the eight ball a little bit, and that will be. That's why you enter a feast week tournament, right? Mm-hmm. Resume, resume, resume. So we'll see what they do, but the opportunity is definitely there this week. Yeah, then they come home for Northeastern, and then it's Baylor, Rutgers, Monmouth, which maybe last year you could look past. You better not this year. Missouri, and then UConn's on the near horizon. So uh, it doesn't get any easier for Seton Hall, that's for sure. So overall, Seton Hall was picked by the coaches ninth. Uh, to finish ninth in, in the Big East, and time will tell whether or not those guys are right. I look at this team so far, I see reasons for a better finish than that. What do you think overall? Yeah, I would be surprised if they finish ninth or worse. 
Georgetown and DePaul are awful. Uh, Butler is not very good, and Seton Hall matches up well with them. So St. John's is kind of off to a really mixed bag start. Totally new team, new coach. I'm sure they'll get better under Rick Pitino. I think Seton Hall's probably a little better than them right now. Um, you know, we'll see about Providence. Really untested coach, some talent for sure. So, you know, Xavier, some injuries to, to really good players. I could see them finishing sixth, um, which, you know, sixth in the Big East puts you on the NCAA tournament bubble. Uh, I don't think they'll finish ninth or tenth. I really don't. Uh, so, I, just based on what I see early on, I don't think so. But then again, you know, they've picked up wins against teams they expect to beat. So we'll see as they Here's the thing, though, Matt. The health is the health is huge. Like, yes. What killed Seton all last year was the injuries, especially to Richmond, who's been hurt every year in his career. Got to stay healthy with those, those five starters. If they do that, then I think they have a real good chance to finish ahead of the preseason prognostications. Well, we will see what happens. Jerry, I will see you down the line. I won't see you before Thanksgiving. So the very best to you and your family for a joyous holiday. I know where you'll be at 530. We'll be sending <laughs> we'll be sending similar messages to each other as we sit down to watch the game. But I look forward to seeing you again at a Seton Hall game. And thank you so very, very much for your time. Thanks for having me on, Matt. Let's do it again later this season. And that will do it for this edition of Pirates Talk presented by Jag One Physical Therapy. Thanks to Jerry Carino for his insight and, more importantly, his time. You can follow Jerry on X, you know, it used to be called Twitter, at at NJHoopsHaven. You can read his college basketball coverage in the Asbury Park Press or online at app.com. Special thanks to Pat Christensen, our audio engineer and the writer and performer of the Pirates Talk theme. His work on the show is invaluable, and I am grateful for his friendship and his help. And thanks to you for your company. It's very much appreciated. Until next time, have a blessed and happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Be well and go Pirates. Pirates.